0: well hello there welcome to journey through the epistles with daniel babalola i am daniel babalola and i'm inviting you on a journey as we study the epistles in the bible book by book chapter by chapter verse by verse I believe that a solid understanding of what is contained in the epistles would serve as a strong foundation for all our Christian expression and not just that, that when we take the words of the apostles and properly understand them in their context as they meant it to be understood, our entire Christian experience stands the chance of being so much more flourishing. So join me on this journey, let's go. Dear Lord, thank you for a beautiful morning or afternoon or evening, whenever anyone here is tuned in or whenever anyone gets the chance to listen to this. I thank you for a new month. I thank you for January. I thank you for February. I thank you for life. I thank you for your goodness that has kept us thus far. I thank you for growth. I thank you for this book of 2 Corinthians and I pray yet again as you've done uh, 29 teachings so far that you open our eyes to the truth of your word. Help us to learn, help us to understand, help us to apply it to our lives in all that we do. In Jesus name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. So welcome to chapter 12, part 2 of 2 uh, Corinthians. Of course, if you haven't already, bring out your Bibles, your writing materials, your notepads. Um, I I trust that we were blessed from last week's teaching. I put it in the broadcast message as well, that if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to last week's teaching, please do so. Um, if you know someone that needs to listen to last week's teaching, please do so. Um, Uh, A lot of people need to remember that, especially in times of suffering. Um, I will probably listen to it again, (laughs) just me personally. Um, But yeah, if you haven't, please take a chance to listen to it. I can't do much as far as summary goes, apart from saying that God is not the author of evil. Um, Clearly sin and the devil is right? Our life choices give him that, sometimes can give um, that, that, that expression to evil. The world we live in and the choices of others can give that expression to evil, but ultimately we trust in a God that is good and even in the midst of evil is able to either, number one, take it away, or number two, use it for his own or for the advancement of his will. And that's pretty much Um, what we covered last week in a very, very brief nutshell. Uh, To go more than that would be to start re-explaining verses. So I'll just really, really strongly recommend that you take time to listen to the teaching. Shortest introduction to date. So (laughs) we stopped at verse 10. So we're going to just continue from chapter 12, verse 11. And I said in the message that, the hardest parts of the books of the book rather are behind us. We've we've talked about um second corinthians three, right? The veil over Moses, uh the the from glory to glory, all that cool stuff. We've talked about the thorn in the flesh. We've talked about giving. Um now Paul is starting to round up. I don't know about you, but I remember growing up then when I was learning how to write letters and the easiest part was almost always the conclusion, right? The introduction was fairly easy. I think then I always started with, how are you? Hope you are hale and hearty. (laughs) And then you say, I am writing this letter to dash, 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 informal letter. (laughs) I don't know if you remember those times, but... uh, it is, well, I have not had to tell anyone I hope you are hale and hearty since I wrote it in Waik, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, the conclusion was always so easy. It was like, oh, you summarize everything you have said. And then you say, I look forward to seeing you in, in the summer. I look forward to seeing you or something. Send my regards to this. Yours, which one was informal, sincerely or faithfully? I always mix it up. I think sincerely was uh, informal and faithfully was formal yours sincerely daniel (laughs) so um what paul is going to do or what we're going to cover today for the rest of chapter 12 and i believe we'll probably have enough time to go into chapter 13 is to pretty much summarize what we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks which is what paul's boasting I talked about the fact that because his motive was not self-centered, his motive was seeing the Corinthian church grow. If you remember the analogy of the swimmer, let that analogy just stay with you throughout the rest of this book. His goal was to through earthly and unnecessary in quote, comparisons, stir up the Corinthian hearts that all like I'm the real deal. There's no reason for you to be influenced by false teachers because even on their criteria, well, apart from the unnecessary ones, maybe wealth and all of that, but on the things that matter, you can clearly see that I'm superior to them. And so what Paul is going to do is once again, stay on that theme. So we're going to be pretty quick with that and then give them final thoughts and final warnings as uh, as the book wraps to a close. So. Can we do that? Let's 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 start. So I'm reading from the NKJV as usual. Um verse 11. It says, "I have become a fool in Boston. You have compelled me. For I ought to have been amended by you. For in nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing." Right? And it's the same thing he has said, right? That you've made me you, you've made me have to Talk about so much. You've made me talk about my sufferings. You've made me talk about my my visions and revelations. You've made me talk about my, my heritage. You've made me talk about the authority I have in Christ. It wasn't necessary. I don't need to brag to you. I don't need to give you my credentials in that regard. He says, but you've made me. You've 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 you're the reason I'm doing all this. Is normally I should have been the one coming, you should be the ones defending me. You should be the ones that are bragging about me. You're the ones that know me. You're the ones that have seen my ministry, seen the miracles, seen my lifestyle. But yet you're the same ones being led astray by these false teachers. And so that's what he's saying, that you've, you've necessitated all that I'm doing. That normally, even when, and we've looked at that, right compared to all these, in quotes, super apostles, that there is not, like, I'm, I'm not behind them in anything. If you want to look at it from a fleshly perspective, I'm right up there with them. If you want to look at it from the authority of Christ, I'm right up with them that you've necessitated this. And then he said it that truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you without perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. So in Paul's mind, again, we can read this 2000 years later and it's like, oh, okay, we're just reading it. But think about how all felt talking to these people writing the things he's saying bringing him down to a position where he has to boast he has to remind them that God called him after imagine going to a city risking your life being persecuted being being um beaten flogged in pain you you get to the city you spend a while there you get them saved you baptize them you teach them um the the, the gospel you teach them conduct. You teach them believers authority. You teach them law work. You teach, you appoint elders and you move on. And then a few months down the line, maybe a year down the line, you now hear that these people are listening to false teachers. Not only that, the false teachers are speaking ill of you and your ministry, calling you weak, calling you greedy or a pretender, saying that you're not really sent by God. And these very people that you risked your life for, they are believing them they are they are misbehaving and they are not really even submitted to authority anymore how would you feel that's what uh, the yoruba call a line more you don't you don't you don't know good you are not grateful <laughs> you are an ungrateful person and this teaches us something beautiful about ministry right because for many of us if it was it, if it happens in our relationships and i mean just interactions Right, February has gone. I'm not talking about just love <laughs> or just romantic relationships. Well now we've we left February. I've left February. <laughs> We're in March. March on, March on. <laughs> in your relationships, if if you invested that much time and effort to see someone grow, and all of this is happening, many of us like, forget them. <laughs> they are ungrateful. Just leave them alone. But here we, we, we see something vital, not just in ministry, right? Because imagine if, if it happens in ministry as well, sometimes we don't be like, oh, you know, people will use you, people abuse you, this and that. Paul still went ahead even after all they did because of their salvation. He went ahead and he still reached out to them. He still reached out to them. Despite the rejection, despite the insult. Despite the lack of trust, he's like, you know what? I am responsible for your souls. And if you will go to, if you will reject God, it will be with me grabbing your legs and saying, don't do this. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to abandon you. And that teaches us something so powerful about healthy Christian relationships or healthy Christian discipleship. That when we see people, and I'm going to talk about that a bit more in chapter 13. But when we see people being led astray, when we see people acting in the words of Jesus, for they don't know what they do. It's different if it's willful sabotage. I don't want this. I don't want, leave me alone. Of course, we can't fire. We can't force anyone. But if it's a thing of they are being deceived, they are being led astray. They are doing things that you know. Ideally, they don't. They don't know any better. There's still ground, at least, in the love of Christ, and it's not easy. It's not easy, but there's grounds in the love of Christ to still pursue, to still reach out and say, "No, I care about your walk with God. I care about the expression of your Christianity, and I would not leave you alone. At least, not yet." And that's what Paul is doing. He's saying that not only even the signs of apostleship, there were healings, there were miracles, there were clear testaments to the fact that God sent me. That God sent me. And I think that's, at least as a minister of the gospel, which we all are, it's something that we should comfort ourselves or at least be confident in. That whenever God calls a person, Whenever God calls a person to any capacity, there is grace, there there are gifts to fulfill that call. If God has asked you to do something, you can trust that all that you need to do what you need to do, he will give you. It will show when put to use. Has God called you to reach out to to your school, to whatever that looks like, he has equipped you as well. God did not just call Paul, oh, take the gospel to the Gentiles. Oh, be my mouthpiece in, in cities that have not heard the gospel. He said what the signs of an apostle were accomplished. In signs, in wonders, in mighty deeds. If God sends you out on an assignment, whatever that looks like, whatever it looks like, trust that he will increase you. He sent Moses out. He, he said, what do you have? This stick, with this stick, you will, you will prove to them that I'm the one that sent you. The same thing in Joseph. You could see the wisdom at work. The same thing in Daniel. The same wisdom at work that indeed, he says, God is with you. So if God, if, if you find yourself in a position where you are aware of what the will of God is and, and you are pursuing that, Trust him to back you up. There's a longer uh, Yoruba, I can't say it because it would be embarrassing. Um, for those that speak Yoruba, boys, uh, oromonisha, I try <laughs> if you send if you send the child, you back him up? I tried, Avi. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're getting better <laughs> for my non Yoruba speakers. Please put the translation in the chat. Even the translation, I'm not sure, I know the idea is what I'm saying, but I don't know it literally. <laughs> Whether you are backing the person that you sent, <laughs> right? That's what it means. That's the God we serve. If He sends you on an assignment, He's not that senior that will tell you, like you were in school, go and buy five hundred naira yogurt, and they'll give you fifty naira. And he say, ah, where am I supposed to get? He said, that's your problem. That's that's not on me. All I want is yogurt. No, if God wants you to buy five hundred naira yogurt, many times He will give you maybe even 600, 700 because He knows that you are forgetful. He knows that you can. This human being, they will do somehow, (laughs) eventually. And I will accommodate that, right? God backs up whoever he sends. Let that come for you. Let Let that give you the confidence you need in pursuing his will. And then he goes on again in verse 13. He says, for what is it in which you were inferior to other churches? except that I myself was not burdensome to you. Forgive me this wrong. I will read verse 14 because it's the same thing, but let's see. It says, now for the third time, I'm ready to come to you and I will not be burdensome to you for I do not seek yours, I seek you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents, for the children. And so this is similar to what we talked about in chapter 11, verse 11 if you remember when Paul was apologizing right I, I talked about that but Paul is saying the only area where I treated you differently from other churches is that I did not collect your money and he says forgive me forgive me for not doing that Forgive me for not doing that in a sense and I, I talked about this in chapter 11 verse 11 that there is that sense it's it's not stealing it is not out of place. That if someone blessed you, right, spiritually, you take care of them materially. At least that was the design of the church. That was the design for, for, for the priests, for the Levites. We've gone through that in uh, chapter 9, chapter 10. And so Paul is saying that I was not a burden to you and I'm I'm sorry about it. Imagine that if, if a pastor should say that today. <laughs> I'm sorry I did not collect your money, in quotes. Right. And this is not this is not uh to go and spend anyhow to, to live a lavish lifestyle at the expense of the people that supported you. No, no. This was about needs being met. Right. And that's why Paul will be like, I didn't, I didn't need your money. I had the the church elsewhere was was supporting me. I didn't need it. I didn't need it. Right. Uh this is not saying you go and collect even from the poor. You say, now I have yours. I, I gave you the gospel, give me your possessions. And so now the pastor is richer than the entire church no, no no that's not what we're talking about here but there is that sense right that churches were meant to at least meet the needs right and take care emphasis on take care of the people that that ministered to them but we talked about that paul made sure that that did not happen for the corinthian church for many reasons right because there were false teachers in this place that were already doing something similar and so if Paul came and was also like oh you're just part of these other teachers you want our money sure we'll give you your money he wanted it to be clear remember in chapter 11 remember in first corinthians he said that my boasting will stand that no one will say i came here because of your money he says i didn't desire your money i desired you and then he gives a parable that uh, nobody my age should tell their father (laughs) that children ought not to lay up for the parents, for parents for the children. This is talking about children. I, I doubt anyone on this call is a child. <laughs> it's not saying if you have a father that you are not supposed to lay up for your father, your father is supposed to say, Daddy, where where is my inheritance? You say, Ah, but I'm getting old. Aren't you supposed to take care of? He said, No, children should <laughs> not lay up for their parents, parents for their children. No, this is talking about children, literally young children. Because if you remember in chapter 10, verse 17, I'm sorry, chapter 10, verse 15, he already said it, that the goal is that as you grow, you will then be able to sponsor me on my next journey. While I'm with you, while you're growing, sure, I don't need your money. I want you to grow. If you are mature in Christ, uh you will help me. He said it in verse 15, he says that I'm not boasting of things beyond measure, nothing i'm sorry in other men's labors but having hope that as your faith is increased we shall be greatly enlarged by who by you second corinthians 10 verse 15 will be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere meaning that you will be the springboard the same way macedonia and philippi sponsored us as we brought the gospel to you you will sponsor us in the gospel as we take it beyond you (laughs) so This is not a verse saying that uh, you should not take care of your of your parents, or that your parents till you die. Say, Daddy, I'm not the parent in this house. I'm not the parent. (laughs) Children ought not to lay up for the parent. You're not a child, at least not anymore. Not anymore. And then he goes on in verse 15 to say, "And I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls." However, the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. Such a toxic relationship. <laughs> the more I love you, the less you love me. <laughs> and it goes back to what we said in verse 11, right? The heart of a minister, the heart of a minister, if God is, has committed someone to your care, if God has put someone in your heart, whether to pray for that person, whether in a position of mentorship or discipleship, take it seriously. Take it seriously. Take it seriously. I would never forget, never forget Um, when I started to take my work with God seriously and if you months down the line i was given a position of leadership i was a subunit head in my service units in school prayer force then and so i was the head of a gilead team right so it was the team um that we usually pray for the sick we go out to the hospital like every month we pray for sick people and stuff like that and uh that was my first leadership responsibility since i was serious my work so i took it very seriously and i remember one day um we're having prayers before church and god i was we're all just holding our hands praying and i just heard the lord in my spirit and he told me open your eyes look around i looked at everyone he said if anything happens to any one of these people i will hold you responsible i i i back i was scared because it wasn't in the uh god is my best friend god is my daddy kind of vibe all that while all this while it was just me, I go, you know, devotion. I love you, Lord. Ah, God is sweet. Ah, God is my daddy. <laughs> He's my Abba. <laughs> this one, it felt like my boss was talking to me. You know, the way you talk to someone, you are paying like, that's how he felt. That was the tone. It came off in my heart. And I, I was literally, just. I was like, if, if clearly, if anything happens to any one of these people, I'll hold you responsible. I said, ah, this is serious. <laughs> This is serious. That's why I'm not I'm usually not in a hurry when you say, Oh, come and disciple me. Come Yeah. please (laughs) don't put me in trouble. (laughs) Let me not put (laughs) let me pray about it. (laughs) But that's the that's the mindset. That's the mindset. He says, I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls. I will spend and be spent. For your souls. Don't be in a hurry to be pastor, in quotes, to be, and by pastor, I mean literally shepherd over of souls. It's not just a title. It is incredible responsibility. God is trusting you with the spiritual destiny and the growth of people. It's a big deal. It's a very big deal. And so even if it's just one person, the Lord has committed to your care. Take it seriously. Remember the parable of the talents. It's not about whether you have 10. It's not about whether you have five. It's not about whether you have one. It's about how well you use it, how well you treat it. If who God has placed in your care is that co-worker you see every week that's somehow open to the gospel, take it seriously. Pray for them. Be intentional about bringing up the gospel. Be intentional about discipling them. If it's just one person that has said, oh, I love your work with God. Can you help me? And you've taken on that responsibility. Take it seriously. Because God will ask you questions. God will, You would answer to God on behalf of their soul. I hope you realize that. So take it seriously. Pray for them. Check in on them. Create time for them. Help them grow Help them grow. Even if it turns to a point where like, like Paul, he says, the more I love you, the less the less I'm loved. Sometimes they won't respond the way that you think they should. And like I said, they, they are, I'll get there in chapter 13, but there's a sense in which, like the guy that was sleeping with his father's wife, he says, correct him, rebuke him. If he's still adamant, he says, give him to the devil <laughs> right surrender him to satan let don't have anything to do with that kind of person if it gets to a point of it says this jesus i don't want to hear jesus again are you saying ah, why not says, let <laughs> then just keep praying for them there's not not much you can do past that point but while they are still open if they are acting in ignorance if they are acting in deception if they are acting in childishness, you keep at it. You keep at it. You keep at it. Because their soul is worth it. No parents. How many of you here are like me? Growing up, you have told your parents, I hate you. <laughs> Do you know how stupid that sounds? Um, you've told them. That's, and good parents. I don't mean the ones that messed up. Like you're, a person that is taking care of you, you say, I hate you so much. Your mom will say, You can't go out this way. I hate this house. I hate you. <laughs> Was there any parent that said, Oh my god, my child hates me. I can't believe it. I'm no more parenting him. He doesn't want me. Eh? <laughs> no, no mother has said that. No parents has said that. Say, Oh, I want to leave this house. I said, Oh, yeah. In fact, what I want parents, oh, yeah, good now. <laughs> because they know you're not going anywhere. If you receive, they will grab you back. And so the same way no parents will say, oh, my child said he hates. You know he's just been a child. He doesn't know any better. <laughs> I hate this house. I hate you. I hate, I hate. Oh, that's fine. Come and eat. There's food for you. That's the attitude you should bring to discipleship. You are the parent. You are the one that knows better. So when you see the tantrums, the ramblings, the I don't want, I don't want to grow, I don't want to remember. That's fine. Say, <laughs> I once told her, uh, I'm not sure you're the one that gave it. Exactly. Oh, there are many, many times I could not believe that this woman that is flogging me <laughs> is the same one that gave it. But I couldn't believe it. He's <laughs> not adding up, right? And so, yes, the people you are discipling, the people you are laboring over, they are children. They will do, they will speak like children. They will act like children. They will threaten to run out of the house. They will say they hate you. At least some of them, right? Maybe some will be good. The point is, if God has committed someone to your care, don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. Amen. (laughs) So let's go on. It says in verse 16, but be that as it may, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you by cunning. So this is another place where all is being again sarcastic or he's referring to accusations people have made against him that oh so this is what the accusation was that Paul when you came you didn't take any money from us cool stuff however you were crafty about it you sent people to take money from us so that it would be as if it was you that did it but nevertheless your people took money from us and that was the accusation remember he has sent timothy before he has sent titus to them in fact when we read in the earlier chapters he, he was sending titus to come and collect the money for jerusalem right and that's why when i talked about that then we talked about accountability openness and Paul, he's not coming alone send people you yourself trust so that you can be sure that this money is going to its intended use and so that's what he's, he's about to describe He says, did I take advantage of you by any of those whom I sent to you? Verse 18, I urged Titus and sent our brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? So he's responding to that accusation that, oh, Paul Paul is pretending like he didn't want our money, but he still sent Titus to come out. And he's like, no, it was for Jerusalem. I sent him with someone and you sent someone as well. Did he take your money for his his gain? Of course not. He goes on in verse 19. Again, do you think that we excuse ourselves to you? He says, we speak before God in Christ, but we do all things for your edification. I love this verse because it teaches us something about how to handle criticism as a believer, as a minister. We live in a world where eventually see i want you to just firmly plant it in your mind if you are going to do anything great in the world i don't even mean for god if you are going to do anything great in the world anything worthwhile people will speak against you just know it and just know it as they say know it and know peace you cannot on one hand want to do great things in the world on the other hand you still get bothered when people are spreading rumors about you when people say things that aren't like oh my gosh it's so untrue <laughs> eh? <laughs> <Answer>. <laughs> but not only that more so if you want to do great things for god or if you want to even Because when I say great, we now start to think of scope and numbers. If you want to stay in the will of God, people will misunderstand you. People will misunderstand. They misunderstood Moses, even his own siblings, Miriam and uh, Aaron. They said, is it only you? They misunderstood Joseph. Oh, the stars bow to me. We'll kill you. (laughs) Right? They misunderstood Daniel, I don't want to eat the king's meal. I was wrong with you. I'm going to pray regardless of the, what is wrong with you. I'm not going to bow down what is wrong with you. They misunderstood John the Baptist. They misunderstood. They said Jesus is a friend of sinners. I said he's eating and drinking with halots, prostitutes, tax collectors. Misunderstood. They said, Paul, you are wrong mad. <laughs> How do we explain what that, they said, Paul? much learning you just just read 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 it got to a point (laughs) you just lost it misunderstood that is the testimony of the man or woman in god's will misunderstood and so you should build that skin that in the will of god if i'm doing what god said i should do there will be people in this world that would misunderstand that will probably talk bad about me. Call me a fanatic. Call me a anything for anyone. It doesn't matter. Just speak from the list. Call me um what? Uh, religious, <laughs> what? what? I don't know. What else? What phrase can they use? Narrow-minded. Oh, you're a bigot. Oh, you're too judgmental. Really? You did this so that you can go to church? Uh-huh. You are too zealous. They made fun of them too in school. Oh, spirit cocoa, oh as you. it's normal. And so just just get comfortable in criticism, get comfortable with mockery, get comfortable with accusations. Just just know, like before it starts, before they start to say you are this, you are just start to embrace, like, okay, that's fine. That, that's quite fine. <laughs> but what I love about this verse is that Paul. Paul says, I'm not even telling you all these things. I'm not defending myself. I'm not explaining Titus to excuse myself to you. He says, it's not about, it's not about saving face anymore. I'm, I'm long past saving face, right? In, he said something similar in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 12. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 12. It says, "For we do not commend ourselves again. This is not about us making ourselves look good. It says, but we give you an opportunity to boast on our behalf so that you may have an answer for those who boast in their appearance and not in heart. It's the same thing he's saying, yeah, I'm here rather, that this is not about me giving you an excuse. It's so that you are edified. It says we do all these things, all these things for your edification. It's not about saving face. We've we've already thrown our reputation away with Christ. (laughs) We don't have anything to defend. This is about getting your faith grounded in Christ it means that as we as we start to bear the name of Christ much more in our places of work in our schools online social media in ministry in whatever we find ourselves doing we should get to a point where like i'm i have no reputation but it's it's all about the, if this will affect the faith of people, affect the growth of people, then it, the onus is on me to speak to it. But not because I'm trying to defend myself. Paul said, "I have I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet no I, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me." It's not really about me anymore. Oh, Daniel said this. If it's not true and there's a risk of people being led astray, I can't speak to it, but not because, again, like Paul said, oh, my God, I didn't say it. No, no, no. It's so that people will grow. (laughs) So that people will grow. So that people will grow. Paul has gotten to a point where everything he is doing, as far as it concerns the public, the only thing on his mind is how will it affect the people God has committed to my care? How will it affect the people... That God has committed to my care. Because I know God sees my heart. It's fine. So rumors really will mean nothing because they, they mean nothing to God. God is not moved by rumors. So that's fine. But people are moved by something, some of these things. And especially if there are people that are under my care, I owe it to them for the gospel, for the edification of for their for their edification to at least address these things. To address these things. He says, "For I fear, right, that when I come, I will not find you as I wish. Meaning, I won't, I won't find you walking in the gospel. I won't find you strong. I won't find you correcting these things I've pointed out. Let's say even in chapter in First Corinthians, the issues with their 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 um Lord's supper meetings, the issues with with their dressing, the issues with their love work. Right? He says." and that I will be found by you as you do not wish. <laughs> what is Paul saying? He says, I fear that I will not find you as I wish, and you will not find me as you wish. Meaning that I will come and I would have to be I have to be firm, I have to be strict, I have to admit that, I have to punish some of you. It's kind of that thing where your mom says, by the time I come back home, if this house is not spotlessly clean, you will not like the version of me you will see. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that growing up. I did. Um, for those that didn't grow up in such a strict household, um, there's a lot that you have not seen. <laughs> there's, there are many sides of your parents that you, have there that you have not seen. I've seen so many sides of my mother. My God. I've seen her athletic side as she chased me around in the living room. I've seen her strong side as she picked me up and threw me, <laughs> I didn't know my mother was a master uh, archer <laughs> or a master dart thrower until the day she picked slip and th- and he hit me right at the correct spot on my head from across the room. <laughs> I said, "Wow, really?" When they are displaying superpowers, it they just something just comes on them. <laughs> and ah. You have aim like this. <laughs> Just straight Boom. I think I was talking to a friend. He said that. The, it was big. And the mom threw it right in the mouth. <laughs> right in the mouth. I think, wow. Parents. <laughs> right? He says, you will not like the version of me you will see. <laughs> and that's what Paul is saying. That I'm afraid that when I come, I won't like the version of you I will see. That like you'll be misbehaving, there'll be a lot of things to correct. However, you too, you won't like <laughs> you won't like what you see when I come. Because I would have to punish, I would have to administer discipline, I might have to kick some people out of the church. Like it's going to be harsh. He's saying, lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults. And reading that, I I remember, uh, I think, a couple weeks ago, someone reached out to me, and the person was a bit discouraged because they felt like in their church, they're looking at the leaders of different, let's say, service units and stuff like that, and it was clear that these leaders were not perfect. They had flaws. And the person was discouraged because the person wanted a mentor. And, of course, maybe the pastor is busy, but then it's like the people that are actually... That I can look to to be mentored is not from the people that are in official positions of leadership, and she was concerned that oh why is the church like this way? Why is it that not everyone is 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 um getting it right? And I'm sure everyone here, and I don't even mean some, everyone here. If you've been in the church long enough, you've probably heard of a scandal or two. I'm not even talking about the ones that make headlines. I'm saying in your own community, you have probably heard that. Dickiness A did something, choir master B did something, service unit head C did something. It, it's so common. And at a point, it can be discouraging that, ah, do I really want to even be that plugged in to church like that? Because I think step one is the first level is when you are, it happens, let's say, in your own church or something, and you're like, oh, my God, what kind of churches and you move to another church <laughs> because it happened in your church and you say, ah, no, I don't like this church. uh, this leader did this. This leader did this. I think growth level two is when you realize that it happens in every church. <laughs> and that's what I was trying to explain to the person that if Jesus disciple, 12 people, and one of them was stealing money to the point where he betrayed him to be killed. Jesus, so if, if anyone in this world should mentor you, is it not Jesus? If anyone should decide, is it not Jesus? The same teachings, the same care, the same affection he gave his disciples. Yet one person chose, he says, through me, through me. No, he says, I will do something so wicked, nobody will name themselves after me again. and he succeeded, (laughs) right? Judas, I've not met a Judas Iscariot. I've been searching. I've not found one. I've searched all over. I couldn't find nobody, (laughs) right? If Paul, so that's just ah, Jesus. That's Jesus. If Paul would labor with people, and there are still people, imagine in Paul's church, someone is sleeping with their father's wife. We well, have tried. <laughs> Let's be honest. We well, have tried. Look at the things he's mentioning. These are things you find every community of believers. Contention. Oh, people are fighting. This. Why are you fighting? Jealousy. Ah, uh, why is why are they leading so they led last week? Me, I've not led this month. Ah, you are partial. Ah, choir director, you are partial. Jealousy. Ah, uh, how come he's the one that was promoted to head of ushering? I've served, I've been here longer. Jealousy. Outburst of wrath. Hey, hey, don't talk to me like that. Too. Just because we're in church. You can't, if, if if this was, if it was a Monday, you, where will I see you from? <laughs> because you you are, you have one millionaire, a month paying job, and they are managing 50K in one small company down the road. Say, I don't talk to you like that. Uh, am I your mate in church? Am I your mate in church? <laughs> Outburst of wrath. Selfish ambition. Um lead pastors come to me I must I must be. I must be in front so that you'll see me, so that you see me. I don't mean like sitting, I mean like I, I will lead the song so that you say, oh, who is this choir member? Wow. Selfish ambition. at that point it's not about edification, it's not about people being blessed. It's so that you get recognition. Oh, I I can't I can't do children's ministry. Nobody ever sees them. I want to sing. I want to I want to lead prayer, selfish backbite, I want is calm. So common. have you heard? Have you heard what Daniel did? Say, hey, what do you do? What do you do? Say, ah, that's how that lady came to meet him. And he just brushed off. I, said, hey, I knew it. All these men of God, hypocrites, <laughs> backbiting, whisperings. Whisperings should have come before backbiting. Because that man, yeah, what do you do? They have come, come, come. I have just, I have just. <laughs> we like <just. laughs> How many of you here don't like just <laughs> We like just We really like just <laughs> Conceits, don't. And so, this is Paul's church, by the way. It's not, a, it's not a Caleb and Sons Ministry International. This is Paul's church. They were taught by Paul himself. All these things were written. Paul said it to them. He explained it way better than I, I ever could. He explained it to them. And yet, look at the things happening. And I encouraged this lady and I said, what this teaches you is that on one hand, as a minister or as a leader or as a disciple or whatever capacity you are in, focus on what you should be doing. First of all, focus on teaching, focus on praying together, praying for being an example, focus on leading be honest, be transparent, pray for them, teach them. But at the end of the day, realize that how people respond to the word, to training, to discipleship is their choice. Is their choice. Don't take it personally. Imagine if Jesus felt like he had failed as the Messiah because one of his disciples betrayed him. Of course not. Judas chose to do it. In fact, Judas is, a, before Judas, at the point of arrest, they all, they all ran away. <laughs> three years of mentorship, they all ran away. Three years. Someone had, been, you've been together for three years. You said, this guy is the savior of the world. They arrest him, you run. The two that had the gods, Peter was closer, John was a bit farther. That one denied you. And you looked at him. It's so easy at that point to say, ah, have I wasted my time? Not Jesus. Same thing with Paul. You've been with people who say, I taught you every day. Two years, every day. Uh, imagine if Paul taught you every day for two years. What would you not know? What would you have not covered? But yet. Yet. So don't take it personally. That's number one. I don't, don't, don't. Just because there are people that act a certain way, that don't represent the gospel. Does it mean the leadership has failed? It doesn't mean it's a bad church. It doesn't mean, no. People will be people. And people have always been people. You can gather 10 people, train them, disciple them, pray with them, lead them in Christ, and one of them can embarrass you. So the next time you hear of a scandal, the next time you see any of these things, contentions, jealousies, outbursts, don't don't be surprised, like ah, in the church. Yes, because there are people that did not respond to treatment. There's a way we handle those cases, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. If you are a disciple, if you are a pastor, if you are a minister of the gospel. Don't be too hard on yourself. When I didn't say if, when it happens, when you've labored over someone, and it looks like ah, what's going on here? Don't be, don't, don't, don't say ah, you didn't fail. (laughs) That's not your criteria. They are how they respond is not your criteria. That's not what God is going to judge you by. But were you faithful? Same thing. If you are in a church, if you are in a community of believers. And eventually you start to hear just that this person did this, this person said this. It doesn't mean the community is bad. It just means there are people there like everywhere else that are not responding to the word. And if you you take it even one step further, you can be honest enough with yourself to say, even in my own life, there are things that I'm not perfect at. There's some things I've said, I should not have said, there are things I've done that if God should take, account, even in Christ, if God should count these things or more, me too. You, like you can be honest with this. there are times I saw jealousy creeping up. Maybe you didn't act on it to the level that these people did, but it was there. There were times where selfish ambition was creeping in. I said, Ah, you have to cut, cut yourself. No, I said, You have to cut yourself. <laughs> magic. On, on podcast <laughs> you have to catch yourself and so you start to be a bit less critical of the weaknesses of people yes you don't you don't tolerate it you don't make an excuse to say oh it's it's okay after all they're going no you there's there's a way to deal with sin in the church but my point is you start to realize that almost the church is really a gathering of broken people that Jesus is mending their lives slowly. And everyone is on, is, at, is at a different level. Everyone is at a different level. All right. Finally, uh, in, in verse 12, it says, Lest, when I come again, my God will humble me among you. And I shall mourn for many who have sinned and have not repented. Of the uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness which they have practiced, so Paul is saying it again that if I come, what is going to humble me? Because what I'm going to do is, or what is going to happen is, I'm looking at the works of my hands and I'm seeing what you people are doing. It's humbling. I'm not the great and mighty teacher that any any church I visit, they are set for like no. God is going to humble me. I'm going to have to discipline. And you see the criteria there, those that have sinned and have not repented. That's one of the first signs of someone they are like, this is dangerous territory, which is that they do something wrong and they feel no remorse, even after it has been called out. At that point, Alarm bells should be going on. Like, oh my God, there's there's a problem here. You did this and you don't think there's anything wrong. Paul says, at that point, we're we're nearing, please, you can't fellowship with us. That's, ah, Ah. You don't think it's wrong. And so, for instance, I, I remember, this is a very huge tangent, but I will talk on it nevertheless. I remember being asked, um why like churches that let's say homosexuality is not considered a sin right that why 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 can't we fellowship with them why can't we fellowship with them after all they believe the gospel they believe jesus died for our sins in fact almost a hundred percent they believe in we're saved by grace through faith because that's the only way you even get to that point in the first place <laughs> they believe that we are saved by grace so why why can't we why can't we break bread to use um old testament language and the answer is simple or for instance you say oh what is the difference between a church that welcomes regardless of their sexuality or gender identification. Again, I said, what's this between a church that welcomes? Because every church should welcome. And a church that accepts. Those are two very, very different words. Every believer, I hope you realize that being homophobic is a sin. <laughs> I didn't say it's wrong. I said, it is a sin. I hope you are aware that you hate a person because of their sexuality or their gender identification is wrong because God hates no one. And he says, if you hate, your, you are in darkness until now. First John, we also hate no one. But there's a big difference between welcoming a person and accepting a lifestyle. And so my answer to that person was, of course, they are welcome in the assembly. You don't chase a person out because they've been having sex before marriage. Why would you chase a person out because they identify as um, ABCDE, right? Um, However, the moment a church does not, stir up its members to growth in the will of god it ceases to be the church of god and i don't even mean this just on that regard for instance if there's someone that is a chronic thief walks into your church of course you accept them tax collectors were thieves i hope you realize yet jesus ate this is Zacchaeus. is your house i want to eat and sleep today then in the old testament or early in, in that time period eating with someone entering their house it was a big deal it was a sign of acceptance if i eat with you it means like i i i am willing to be identified with you right i saw a funny i saw a funny article um yesterday The woman said that she had not bought food or cooked in six years was it six or two years because Every day of the week, she goes on a different date. So the guy is always paying. And, and that was her meal plan. <laughs> What's your meal plan? Dating. <laughs> Very interesting. However, back to the subject matter. If you eat with someone, you are, it shows that you are my brother, you are my sister. And so, of course, at the point where that happened, Zacchaeus was like, I'm done. I'm giving back. It says anyone I took, I'm giving them double what I took from them. And it says, today salvation has come into this house. And so a lot of times people say, oh, but Jesus, Jesus was friends with sinners. He was, he at no point did sinners stay around Jesus and felt comfortable in their sin. They always changed. A demon possessed person became an evangelist. A prostitute became a worshiper. A tax collector became a kingdom financer. They didn't stay sinners. So don't say, ah, I'm friends. You're like, oh, guys, even though they're bad, we're friends. After all, Jesus was friends of sinners. Mm -mm. You are misunderstanding scripture. Yes, he associated with them, but he didn't compromise his boundaries. And eventually they were convicted of sin. And that is what the church is. If someone steals, is a chronic thief, walks into the church, you accept them. The goal is through the preaching of the gospel, through, through, training in righteousness, right? They drop off that habit. First of all, they realize it's wrong. And then with the help of community, they drop off that habit. However, if they come into a community of believers and they are not able to see that what they did was wrong, ah, is it still the church of Christ? The same church that Paul said, if someone is comfortable in sin, kick them out now the entire church is comfortable in sin and so that was my answer to the person that while we welcome anyone and everyone if a sinner walks into your church and upon hearing the gospel and upon being trained in the faith they are not convicted of sin you're not doing the work of of god because you are encouraging the person to live a life that is sinful to god so that's the difference the same way a fornicator would walk into your church, and you won't you won't chase them at one, but you're not going to encourage or say, "Oh, that's how you are." You know, you can't just help your sexual urges. I know you are not married, but God understands. God loves you the way you are. You don't say that. You can't claim to be a minister of gospel and say that. It's The same way you can't you can't say, "Oh, that's just that's just how it is." You know, that's fine. God loves you. You are accepted here. No. No. You are accepted here if if you believe the gospel, if you submit to the authority of the word of God, and if you allow that, that word to transform your life. At any point in time that ceases to be the case, willfully and continually, we can no longer accept you in our fellowship. That is historically and biblically how the church has been. The moment you cannot submit to the authority of the word of God, even when I was teaching on marriage and divorce, right? We talked about that. If you want to, that's like way back, first Corinthians, I think um, seven, eight. And when we're talking about grounds for divorce and remarriage and all of that. If the person ceases to respond to the authority of the church and is kicked out or leaves or something, post it, you're free to remarry <laughs> Has left. He has, I, don't, I, don't, I don't submit to God. That's what you were saying. I don't submit to God. And so that's that's the short or the, the long answer to that question. But anyways, that's what Paul is saying. That for anyone who has sinned and hasn't repented, I'm going to have to deal with you. Because one of the first or one of the clearest marks of genuine salvation is brokenness over sin. Oh, I lied, and you're like, I shouldn't have done this. Oh, I was mean, shouldn't have done this. I was rude, shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done this. Jesus died for me. Shouldn't have done this. That's that's one of the clearest signs that okay, there's still something there. There's still the moment. It's like, oh, ah, you didn't say ah, yes. So, uh, you're not bothered, no, no. I had to, ah, uh, in this world, I, I just ah, and we said no. The Bible clearly says, like, forget Bible, eh? Run, no, no run. No, push them away, <laughs> push them away. Amen. So let's let's round up chapter thirteen. We well, have seen the finish line. Would we get there? today? I doubt it. I don't know, but we are seeing it. Chapter thirteen, verse one, and so. Paul says, "This will be the third time I'm coming to you. I've come to you before. I've come to you again. I'm coming to you again." He says, "By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established." He's quoting Deuteronomy, uh, right? That before, before anything is done, there have to be three witnesses. That I've quoted you before. I've quoted you again. If third time, the trouble. <laughs> right He um, says I've told you before verse 2 and I foretell as if I were present the second time and now being absent I write to those who have sinned before and to all the rest that if I come again I will not spare <laughs> now Paul is in full on threat mode like <laughs> From what we just read in chapter 12, going into this now, this is full-on discipline. I said, I will not spare you. I will, it says, since you seek a proof of Christ, you want to know if God called me, just wait till I come. If I meet, this is an area of church discipline we don't really see anymore. I wonder why. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to ask my older pastors. I say, why? <laughs> says, if I come again, anybody misbehaving, I will not spare you, <laughs> and that's what I was talking about. That was like, oh, as a Christian, aren't we meant to forgive, forgive and forget? Seven times, seventy times, seventy times, seven times a day, I should forgive you. And Paul is Paul is making it clear that, yes, as a believer, we should always forgive. However, there are times we also, we forgive, but we will act on your misbehavior. Especially in two scenarios. Number one, if it is continuous and unrepentant. Number two, if it's intentional. And so this, this brings us to just little conversation. I've talked about this before. In like conflict resolutions, for instance. Um, I think I talked about it for married couples or something then but it applies to every form of conflict resolution. When someone does something that hurts you, right? And listen carefully. And please, yes, it's easier said than done, but if you can learn this one thing in human relationships, it would save you a lot. My married people in the house will be able to agree with me. I might not be married, but I speak as one. I identify as one. <laughs> that if someone does something to hurt you, before you say, how could this, like, like, how could you do such a thing? Or why would you hurt me like that? Or I can't believe they did that. That's so mean of them. Of course, you, you've, you've skipped a very important step, which is what? Gaging intention. Engaging intention. The first thing you should have done, especially as a believer, is this person loves me or this person is supposed to love me. Right? Whether it's a friend, whether it's a relation, um, you're dating, whether you're married. Right? This person is supposed to love me. Therefore, they wouldn't do this. They wouldn't want to hurt me. They wouldn't want to be meaning towards me so then the question becomes "Hmm, why did they do this and so when you are going at them it's not from a place of accusation that how could you i thought you loved me or i thought we're friends or i thought we were this how could you no it's uh we're friends or why did you do that you're first of all trying to understand their intention because many times we hurt the people closest to us, not because we're trying to be mean, not because we are actually trying to be bad people, and that's why you find out sometimes if you come at it that way, you just realize that almost every conflict is what misunderstanding. damn you, am I saying the truth? <laughs> let me, let me, uh, let me be, let me pick, <laughs> pick on some of my, of my people. Here. Am I lying or am I saying the truth? I'm saying the truth. Exactly. Exactly. But if you've allowed anger, you've allowed you you've already assumed that this person was trying to be annoying or this person was trying to be selfish, you're going to make things worse. Take a step back. Whenever you're hurt, even in your friendships, you don't even have to be married. I'm sure some of you you've had issues in your friendships and you guys talk about it, and it's like just one big misunderstanding. He thought this. They thought this, they were speaking because they thought this, you thought, and it's like, how did we get here? First things first, believe the best of them that no, they value this relationship, or at least they should. Uh, they've given me, they, I don't have any reason to think they don't. They love me. So they won't have done this intentionally to be wicked or to hurt me. So it's like, oh, uh, yeah, no, you said this the other day, and it really, hurt me why did you say that no how could you have after all we've been fra- ah calm down why did you say that and then you give them the opportunity to explain and it could be oh i'm so sorry i was you know i was stressed sometimes it's like okay now you're understanding they went intentional they recognize what they did was wrong they're not trying to to be mean and they apologize And it's like okay I, I recognize that thank you for apologizing thank you for acknowledging Next time, I would appreciate if if you're stressed, like, let me know you're stressed so that I don't keep engaging, something like that. And then you're able to then build for the future. Ideally, that is how healthy conflict resolution should look like. You believe the best of them. You give them an opportunity to explain. You seek to understand. On the other person's end, they realize that what they've done has hurt you. If they truly care about you, they will apologize. And then both of you plan how to handle it in the future. Simple. But unfortunately, things that are simple are not always easy. <laughs> Usually, especially if it gets to you on a deep emotional level, your first response is outburst. How could you? That's how that time ah you blow it out of proportion. And then boom. It happens. I'm sure we've all experienced some level of that, both giving and receiving. You all, yeah. You start to say things like, "You always do this," or "Why did you do?" This? Even even if, if you say things like, "Oh, I feel like you," did, or "What you did made me feel this way," not you. You are this. Mm-mm. What you did made me feel disrespected. No, you always disrespect. Uh-huh. You're so disrespecting. Uh uh-uh. uh. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. What you feel, what you did made me feel unappreciated. I know you love me. I know it's not true. Help me understand. Not, you never appreciate. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> ah. Calm down. And then the person gets defensive because they appreciate you. But you don't feel like and that's the issue. The issue is not whether that is that you don't, they're not communicating it well. So you should have that conversation. Not enough from what should have been them explaining you, understanding them, apologizing, and you guys planning together. Now becomes him or her defending themselves that they do appreciate you, but you don't feel that way. So you are accused, like you're using sword, poking, poking, and then they have to bring up a shield. You're always so defensive. Of course, you attack them. They should not be, they should just get stabbed in the heart and say, ah, you have killed me, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, they are defensive many times because you were attacking. If you came and opened it, I know you love me. I know you care about me. Oh, you did this. I'm finding it hard. This is how you made me feel. Help me reconcile. You loving me and you doing this. <laughs> then you listen. I say, okay, but you could have done this better. Oh, next time I would appreciate if you do this. So please, guys, um, give room to believe the best intentions of people. Now, there are people you would meet that intentionally wanted to backbite or intentionally wanted to be mean. May God give you the wisdom to know eventually what that looks like. Maybe it's going to be repeated. Maybe after you've talked about it, or maybe there was clear spite, like someone went behind your back to start spreading rumors. You can't really explain that away, <laughs> right? You Can't really explain that. Um, Or you told a close, trusted friend and then they started to tell stuff like that. That's, that's bad behavior. That's different. But more often than not, in our relationships, the intention was never ill. It was never an intentional act of disregard or spite or disrespect or, or, or do, do you get my point? And so when dealing with people, when dealing with people, two things to look out for. Number one, intention. Number two, are their actions continual and unrepentant? So if you bring it out to that person and person, quote, apologizes, but does it yet again and again without any remorse. That's a red flag. And I don't mean in dating. I just mean in the relationship, like in the interaction you have with that person. Or if you bring it up with that person and the person and you you you're like explaining why it made you feel this way and the person is not sorry for what they did. Right. Or the person doesn't even care that he hurt you, meaning they are unrepentant. That's also concerning. That's concerning. That's concerning or if it seems as though their intention was ill towards you again, don't assume this, don't assume this, let them prove it, right? If this seems like their intention was ill, that those are signs that, okay, I would forgive you for what you did, but I don't think (laughs) we will continue the way we are. You're not going to intentionally, you're not going to stay friends, with someone that intentionally gossips and backbites <laughs> about your your business. No, that's 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 crazy, right? And so I'll always like to use the example of Paul and Mark. Right? Paul and Mark. The reason why Paul and Barnabas split up. What happened? They went to a city, Mark, things got hot as they always do, and Mark left them. Mark is like, I can't follow this Paul and but they will kill me along with them. And so now they are about to go to another place and Mark is now coming and let me go. And Paul is like, see, you abandoned us when we're about to, when things got hot. Of course, if Paul is like Christ, then he had forgiven Mark. The issue was not, please forgive me. I've forgiven you, Mark. However, what you did was an intentional, you you said, I don't want to identify with these people because of persecution until your character changes. I can't, you can't follow us on this journey. It was clear. I forg- it's not I'm not if I have not forgiven you. I don't have beef against you. But you can't continue on this journey with me. You need to prove yourself. And so, like I always say, was Paul wrong? I don't think Paul did the wrong thing. I think there is precedence for that, right? You've clearly shown that you're not capable of trust. Prove yourself. And thank God he did. By Timothy, Paul is, by second, Paul is calling Mark that, Oh, bring him with you. He's useful for ministry, all of that. Meaning that Mark probably grew up and had proven through time that I can face persecution for Jesus. So it wasn't anything personal. It was like, oh, I forgive you for abandoning us. That's painful, but I forgive you. However, you can't follow us on this next journey because you'll probably do the same thing again. Like there's nothing that has shown that you won't do the same thing again. And that's just practical wisdom. If a friend of yours stole from you, forgive, but don't leave your wallet around in their room anymore <laughs> until maybe if they've proven to be trustworthy and all that, you can, that level of trust and that exposure in that regard might come back. But that's not, oh, I haven't forgiven. You can't forgive, but still take actions in response to their flaws. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Again, when disciplining, when learning how to move, how to respond after someone hurts you or does something wrong, Number one, gauge their intention. Number two, check for if it's continual and unrepentant. That's literally the, the, the same way Paul addresses issues in the church. Was it intentional? You know, and it's, it's silly to say, but sometimes people don't intentionally sin. It's there. But it's not like they woke up that day and said, I am going to lie. That, that's a scary person. You only means for you to, it um, says today, I'm going to come in front of you today, right? Usually it's one weakness after another, one moment of weakness, both of you were alone, that something happened, you went the wrong way, you saw the wrong thing, boom, what have we done, right? It's not, quote, intentional. It is, but you get my point. It wasn't premeditated, I am going to do evil today. As you wake up say, I am going to do evil in the sight of the Lord. That's not usually how we sin. At least when I look at my life and I say, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I did this. I shouldn't have done this today. It's not like I, I woke up that day and said, God, I will embarrass you. <laughs> God, I will fall your hand today. <laughs> it's not that. And that's what I'm saying. Bring it into your personality. The same way you know that you fall God's hands on a daily basis, but you don't mean to. But if someone does something, you promised you, were good. maybe they got carried away, they got busy. Don't you do that? Didn't you promise you were going to pray last night? Did God shout at you when you prayed this morning? You promised you were going to pray. You always (laughs) ah. Imagine if God was like that. You always, you never keep your ah. Why trouble? (laughs) Imagine if that's the kind of love God showed you. You always do this. You always say, ah. (laughs) problem. So please, be a bit more gracious towards the weaknesses of others. More often, they are not. Their intentions are good. Even if their actions may be annoying, learn how to handle it in in a healthy way. Second, if it's continual and unrepentant. So if, let's say, I didn't mean to, but I now do it, I I misbehave, I lie, I gossip, I do whatever. If that night I'm praying to God, and as usual, the Holy Spirit will bring it in your heart, and you just brush it "Ah, off, that's a problem. Or someone calls you out and I said, "Oh, so what?" Eh? That's a problem. And then if you go ahead to do it again, that's a problem. And so use that same measure. If that's how Paul says a healthy church should operate, let that guide your own interactions with people as well. When people hurt you, when people do things that you don't like, don't be in a hurry to to, to go off at them. Excommunication is not is our last resort. It's not our first. There's a reason it's not our first. We'll first correct. We'll go to them. Even if you have something, it says go to them. Then take two people. After that, take the elders. If the at that point it's clear, it says now that person ceases to be your brother. There are so many steps before you get to excommunication. All right. <laughs> be like the church. Be like your father. Amen. Amen. And then he goes on in verse 3. I'll probably round up soon. Let's see. Um, Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak towards you, but he's mighty in you. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God. And so what Paul is saying is, I'm going to come to you in the strength of Christ. Remember the accusations. Oh, Paul, he can only text. <laughs> How many of you know those people on if they on social media? Until they can say anything. But you said, ah, so you are the one that has been insulting this man. Oh, you, you, <laughs> and that's what they were saying about Paul. If he's to write, say he can only write letter when he comes. What what will he do? What will he do? Paul is saying you seek a proof. That Jesus is the one that gave me authority. Noah, I'm it says, He's not weak towards you, He's mighty in you. He says, You check your lives. You've seen the gospel, you've seen the miracles, you've seen the transformation. I am coming in that same power to bring about discipline. And then he says, For though he was crucified, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. And so that's what he's saying. That you, when you see me, you will know that indeed Jesus sent me. <laughs> that's not a, that's not a, it's not, that's not good. You say I'm coming in the, you know, sometimes someone can tell I'm coming in the power of God. I say, yeah, he's coming to heal the sick. He's coming to to preach the gospel, coming to change lives, right? Ah, my pastor is coming in the power of God. This is a different power. When, when Paul is telling them, I'm coming in the power of God. <laughs> that's when your mom says, I am come." Let's say you you um, you um broke. I don't know why I'm talking about so many uh, traumatic things from my childhood today. Maybe not traumatic, but disciplinary. Because Paul's your discipline. You broke the mirror. You were playing ball where they said you should not play ball. And then you kick the mirror. And then the mirror falls. At that point, you know you're screwed. You just you just know. <laughs> it says God, maybe it's today. I will see you in glory. I'm re- I'm ready, Lord. And then you call your mom, mommy. Yes, how are you? Have you eaten? Yes, mom. And you know that you're already crying. <laughs> yeah, what's happening, mommy? I, 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 I you're all of a sudden you are crying. You are stammering. New things are just being awakened in you. And <laughs> like I I broke the 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 the, the TV. <laughs> and your mom says, What? At that point, you know you're dead. <laughs> wow. We, we, we were, we're <laughs> playing football in the living room. And then your mom says, I'm coming home. And ends the call. <laughs> At that point, you knew as well as the next person, that you are dead. <laughs> but you just know. I say, God, what have I done? Is this, is, is this how I will leave this earth? You start to write your will. Dear John, I'm sorry we didn't get to play football. You were always such a good friend to me. <laughs> right? That's what Paul is doing here. He's like, see, if you guys don't change, I'm coming a third time. And this time that I'm coming, Whatever you see, you will take it to. I will come in the power of God. Anywhere I meet unrepentant sin, I'm going to deal with it. I'm done writing letters. I will deal with it in the power of God. That's what Paul is doing. Um, It's a scary sight. Well, I don't think we know whether or not that happened. Um, Unfortunately, the writings stop before Paul. We don't have any gist. Maybe when we get to heaven, we're like, Paul, did you actually deal with them? (laughs) um what would dealing with them look like it's simply just the exercising of church authority for some it's going to take them out of the church for some he's going to punish them like it says, paul's voice will be strong in investing by i they're going to tell like you're not going to do this he's going to set things in order literally um he's going to scold people he's going to um strip people of their of their authority in the church like all of that all of that all of that um I think we'll pause here from next week. We would start from verse five down to verse 14 and, uh, would have officially officially at long last <laughs> finished second Corinthians. <laughs> All right. So I hope you were blessed. I hope you learned one or two things today. Again, not the, it's not really hard to understand, but important things to To learn that, I hope you're like, okay, I am taking this back with me. Whether it's on ministry, whether it's on conflicts and resolution, conflict resolutions, whatever it is, I hope you've learned something. Today, we need a party next week. Our journey is still far. I don't think I have it in me to party. When we finish, when we finish JTT, we'll we'll have like two weeks, three weeks. We'll just just come and just. Maybe there are people in the US in person, we can even all meet together. But until then, I can't party. Johnny's still far. <laughs> well, yeah, this is our longest book so far. 30, or this week 30, 31 parts. I hope it's been worth your time. All right. Any questions? Any questions? Any questions? Easy teaching, no questions. I'll take that. I'll take that. Um <laughs> all right. I would uh pray, share my screen, we take first timers. Uh let's pray. Lord, thank you for um our journey through your word today. Thank you for reminding us and teaching us from your word. I I pray that uh, we're able to apply your word to our lives that as Ministers of the gospel, help us to always remember that whatever you've sent us to do, you've equipped us to as well. Help us to always remember that the responsibility you've placed on us is so precious. Help us to take it seriously. I pray that even in our interactions with people, help us to know how to forgive Help us to know how to preserve peace. Help us to know how to love. I pray for our lives as believers. We're all at one level or the other in our walk with you. And I just pray, Lord, that you help us to open ourselves up to your spirit. As verse 5 says, to examine ourselves. As we'll cover that next week, help us to daily open our hearts to your light. The areas we need to get better, help us get better. The areas of weaknesses in our character, in our assumptions, in our mindsets, help us to become more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. All right, uh, let's, I'll share my screen now. And we will take our benediction. So graciously prepared to us by (laughs) Bukiya All right. I believe everyone can see my screen. Feel free to unmute yourself. Let's read together. One, two, go. I am am a a diligent student and doer of the word. I am a teacher of the word. The word is profitable for my growth. By the word i am, I am corrected, corrected by the word i am I righteousness. righteousness and in the word my, I, my spirit rejoices rejoice glory to, to god hallelujah glory hallelujah all right thank you all for your time always 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 a pleasure i'll see you guys march 9th as well same time um um same link of course after next week for those that are not Like, Nigerian time, it's not going to be 4 p.m. We're changing our clocks yet again. Sorry that you guys have to deal with our unstable uh, uh, nature. But it will be back to 3 p.m. For those in Nigeria, after next week. So next week is still 4 p.m. But after next week, we're changing our clock. So it's back to 6 hours. So it's 3 p.m. after that. But the poster would reflect it. And I'm going to send an announcement as well. That said, is there anyone joining for the first time? All right. Now we've come to the end of today's episode and I hoped that it blessed you in many more ways than one. And if it did, I want you to do a couple things for me. The first thing is I want you to take out some time to pray and to meditate over the things you've learned in today's teaching and to see how you can begin to apply it to your life starting from this week. Because it's important we remember we're not just to be hearers but doers of the word as well. The second thing I would appreciate is to think about someone you can send this to. If this teaching has blessed you, then pass it on to a friend, to a co-worker, to someone you know who needs to hear this. And finally, don't forget to leave a like, subscribe, leave a comment if you're feeling up to it. And I'll catch you in the next episode. God bless you. Bye.